This episode is brought to you by RBH Drums. RBH is based out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, and they specialize in all handcrafted drums. They make their own shells, and they have three different models. There's the Prestige Series snare drums, which are solid steam-bent drums out of ash, cherry, maple, poplar, and walnut. And they also have the Monarch 3-ply series, which is snare drums and drum kits, which are mahogany, poplar, mahogany. And then they have a new series called the Westwood, which is a 5-ply mahogany, poplar, mahogany shell without reinforcement hoops. I'll be talking a little bit more about these drums later in the episode, but make sure you follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and check out their website, which is rbhdrumsusa.com. You can contact them directly there. You can check out a gallery of a bunch of stuff they made. And anyway, let's get to the show. What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode 123 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This is our 2017 year in review. Mike and I will be discussing the drummers that had a massive impact this year. We'll be talking about the drum manufacturers and the cymbal manufacturers and the changes they made. We'll be talking about the drumming trends that showed up this year. We'll do our 2018 predictions, and Mike and I will make our 2018 drumming resolutions. So let's get started. Mm-hmm. Do not disturb on my phone. No disturbances. <laughs> no more disturbances. This is the last episode of 2017. <laughs> I know. What a, what a wow. year that blew by. I know. It's crazy, man. Crazy. We've been doing this for a while. How long has it been? <laughs> it's been long enough. Long enough that you and I have completely stopped talking outside of the podcast. <laughs> That's true. It's like, no, don't talk anymore. We have to save it. Yeah. Yeah. Save. That's gold. That's gold. No, all we can do now off the air is just complain. That's all we got. That's all we got. That's right. Yeah. So therapy off the air and then uh, just the celebration of the world of drums on the air. How are you, pal? I'm doing all right. Not too bad. Had a decent. I mean, I was, you know, it was Christmas, so I just ate like an absolute pig. So today I'm just not eating any food. It's just off the off the diet. (laughs) Nothing. No food. Your cleanse is that you just don't eat. (laughs) Just water, coffee and whatever, but no food. (laughs) I'm I'm with you, man. I uh, my mother in law, she 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 doesn't care that I have a weakness for chocolate chip cookies and mm. she makes them and then they stay in this like Ziploc bag um, meant to carry like a large animal. It's like the biggest <laughs> Ziploc bag I've ever seen. And they stay in this Ziploc bag on the counter the whole time we're doing the Christmas thing. And I, I don't know. It's like I have to keep going until they're gone. Yep, and so exactly. <laughs> oh, God. And then because there's so many people in town, nobody can eat healthy because there's just too many people. So it's always like, ah, we'll just order pizzas. And I'm like, please don't, please don't. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I ate half a red velvet cake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bad, man. It's bad. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. I, uh, uh, Amber was like, no, 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 no. We're going to do it in, in 2011. I'm like, no, we're doing it on December 26th. I'm committing to fitness now. This is, this is bad. You know what I think, uh, keeps us all in shape as musicians is Nam. You know that you're going to see everybody once yeah, a year. Right. And you don't want it, you don't want people to be like, oh, are you, okay. You just enjoy life a little more now. You're like, ah, oh, dang it. You know what's you know. the worst for me about Nam is the, the lighting and people want to take photos yes. with their cell phones and you just look like a greasy, like gross yep. human being every single time. It's yeah, it's fluorescent lighting, and they still keep their flash on. Yeah, exactly. on their Nokia twenty one twenty from. <laughs> uh, and I'm just like, uh, turn it. Uh, it's fine. You know, wow. I don't even bother. <laughs> it's all good. It's fine. I I'll, I will tell you this. I've done this. I don't know if you've ever gone this far, but I've said, "Hey, man, uh, 
why don't you just take it with my phone and I'll just text it to you? Because really? at least I know it'll be a quality picture. I've done that a few times. Yeah. No, I have definitely. I, I don't. I don't. I pretend that it doesn't exist until I see it on someone's page. I'm like, oh man, I should have got more sleep that night. <laughs> yeah, man. And there's not nothing you can do because I mean, it's such a taxing event, and then all of a sudden. Everyone's like, oh, are you going to see Chris Dave play? And you're like, I guess I am. Yep. And then before you know it, it's 1 a.m. And uh, I always see you palling around around like 2 a.m. I'm like, Dawson, shut it down, brother. Yeah, but, that's usually what happens. Last call, I'm like, whoa, I'm still up. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. Another, <laughs> well, another year of not sleeping. Another year of <laughs> Namthrax. All right, well. We've got a huge episode for you guys today. We're doing our 2017 year in review. We're going to be talking about mine and Mike's personal year in review and the things that we went through. And then we'll just uh, kind of go through the drummers that had impacts in 2017, the drum manufacturers and what they did last year or this year. Uh, We'll talk about some of the drumming trends and then we'll give you our 2018 predictions and our personal drumming resolutions. So let's dive right in. The year of 2017, for your personal drumming, what was the focus? Same as what did you mean for the focus? Well, you to know, be? I think I've, I've entered this year was slowly um, letting loose the reins a little bit and not being as okay. as critical and uh, restricted on what I allowed myself to do. I think all of the practice of like really dissecting my timing and, and subdivisions, knowing that that's pretty okay now. I feel like mm-hmm. I can finally go back to my bag of tricks and start exploring some of the stuff that I had cool. no business playing 10, 15 years ago. Right, Like right. just a that's few cool, little man. things, letting them come out. Like, all right, what can I do that's not going to sound completely ridiculous? All right, let me try right, that. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of been uh, it. It's been a, you know, just kind of opening up, not, not being so uh, controlling with myself. Cool. And knowing, too, that the things that you did at some point put a lot of work into – that they're going to sound so much better by being in time and having pro- proper care for every note and really understanding even the musical placement of it rather than it just being like, well, it's happening because I worked on it. Yeah, exactly. The goal is going probably for the next 10 years is to be able to play anything I want and have it just sound confident and in control and appropriate, I think, but yeah. not necessarily playing simple. That's kind of where I want to take it, like not not always playing the simplest, least common denominator stuff. Right. And but also having it just feel correct. Like I want to get to that level. That's for me the next that's you, the, the Vinny Cayuta, the Keith Carlocks, that's that world. And what, do you think that by pushing your drumming in that direction, do you think your music will go in that direction too? Do you see yourself like looking for maybe a, a fusion or jazz trio or quartet yeah. to play with? Well that's already that's already kinda happening. I've already uh, cool. put the feelers out to try to get a trio happening. I want oh, to actually awesome, do a, like a jazz trio and really explore more of a Bill Evans kind of approach with guitar. So nice. way more, you know, low volume, textural, interactive stuff. Because cool, I man. did a lot of that when I, in you know in college and, and after college, and that really was the music that I felt like the most emotionally connected to. Mm-hmm. But just when I moved up here, it was like uh, I don't want to go hang out at Smalls until five a.m. to find guys to play with. I want to right. just do what I do what I do. So it's been mostly you know pocket gigs but i feel right. like i'm now like that's that's been a, an itch that i need to finally scratch <laughs> like it needs cool, to be man. there so that's that's definitely a you know a hope for, for next year to get that happening. love it that's awesome man yep. very cool uh before we move on we need to just give a little love to old sean paley yeah how about that it was cold sweat with a with a hitch 
<laughs> yeah, with a little giddy up. Yeah, yeah. Your uh, your podcast subscription is not skipping on you. Uh, he just threw that thing into fifteen eight. I love it, man. Yeah, that was very. I'm love it. I'm totally impressed so far with the quality of audio that we're getting from everyone. I know. I feel like it saying, sounds fantastic. Are you using samples? But these are. I'm pretty sure these are acoustic drums. It sounds great. Yeah, sounds really good. Uh, well, and you and I, especially me with my two mic setup, but we go for like a supernatural sound. And when you close mic drums and and get those overheads weighed down, then it has that sampled sound. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's this kind one. of why I left that world. I love that world for listening to drumming. Um, but yeah. for teaching, I just wanted a more natural sound. But it, it there's just no way to get around how cool drums sound when they're close mic'd. Yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is is very effective to where you can't tell when you turn the mic off necessarily. That's right. that's cool. Like I was just watching a great interview with uh, Jean-Paul Gaster of Clutch. Yep. Uh, what's it called? It's by the there's like a channel called Family Mob, and they have like a half hour interview lesson with him. It's really great. Cool, but the problem is, as soon as he starts playing the drums, it like vacuum sucks, and, and it's like the right. close mics only, and that's cool. But it just kind of it kind of jars you out of the moment a little bit. Exactly. If I was only playing, I think I would probably go with all close mic, and then just have my overheads coming in a little bit, and they would actually be overheads rather than drum mics. Right. They'd be yeah. more like cymbal mics. Um, but since I'm constantly going back and forth between speaking, explaining, and then playing. That's kind of what I'm going for. But I thought Sean sounded fantastic. So yeah, thanks cool a lot groove. for the intro. 15-8, um, funky. 15-8, cold sweat. Dig it. So it's black hole sun sweat. <laughs> cold black hole sun. <laughs> sounded fantastic. Cold black sweat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Cold sun. All right. So um, so what about your year? year? I mean, we got to dig into your – I mean, you've, you, yours has been a slightly different yeah. direction. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I wasn't expecting. Uh, So I think on the podcast is where I announced that it was going to be my year of time and I was just going to work on cleaning up my time because I feel the same as what I just talked about with your drumming, which is whatever I can play, it's sure as heck going to sound a lot better if I play it in time. Um, (laughs) And not only sound better, but I think it breeds confidence out to the crowd. The crowd can be confident in whatever you're doing because – there's just the human element that knows when something's in time and when it's a little wonky. And when it's a little wonky, people just can't fully buy into what you're playing. Yeah. So totally. the year of time for me was extremely important. And what I learned out of it was that you can't force yourself to practice something diligently just because you think you're supposed to do it. And I found myself in every practice session slowly transitioning from working on my time into working on my dynamics without making any conscious decision. My disdain for my own dynamics crept up into every single practice and it took over. What were you hearing that you weren't happy with? Uh, I, I would creep up into a volume range that it was almost like my sticks needed a certain velocity and volume to do their job. Uh-huh. And and I would take out my in-ears, and I was like, oh, my God, if I didn't have my in-ears in, that was blazing loud, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed that I had good dynamics as far as, you know, I was able to create a good texture between my limbs, but I didn't feel that um, – I felt like I could be quiet. I just felt like I couldn't be get into something loud and then back down to quiet without it really affecting the time. So yeah. there was there was definitely like a, a mashup between my time practice and my dynamics. But I noticed that 
on a personal level, when I would work on the timing, if it was spot on, I was happy. And if it was slightly off, I was okay with it. I was like, ah, could be better. But when I didn't enjoy the dynamic nature of my drumming, I was actually quite depressed. And when uh-huh. I felt that like my dynamics were on point, I was elated. Like I just felt like I could take on the world. So what I learned through this year was just that sometimes, you know, at, no matter what, your passion's going to override your brain. Yeah, totally. And I think you should. You know, I don't think anyone should ever um, deny that. I think because right? it takes so much practice to improve, you you better be passionate about the results you want to achieve. Otherwise, yeah, you know, like why do it? Why why work totally. on something if you don't feel like you're ever if you're not emotionally connected to it? I think that's right. that's crucial. I, and so now I've just I think what's happened instead of being obsessed with time, I've made time. It's crept into it's like the almost like the foundation of of my practice. And then I put everything on top of it. So if I'm working on my dynamics and I'm working on maybe a, a, a pattern or maybe some phrasing and I'm trying to go up and down with my dynamics, I'm doing it with a click that's only on two and four or I'm doing it with a gap, you know, a measure of gap click or there's mm-hmm. some underlying time component to it but it's not what i'm obsessed on i'm i'm obsessed on my sound right now and i what's funny is i didn't mean to be i just realized that i'm still in that place kind of where you were two or three years ago with your obsession with time i'm still obsessed with finding my own sound and getting to the place where i like the way i play a drum set yeah um and it just it took over this year so timing is still a part of it but I made great strides in getting closer to the drummer that I hear in my head. That person is starting to show up in my playing. What I think is really interesting is we all, over, you know, as the years pile on, we inevitably all end up at the same spot. It's just which areas do you spend, which part of your career focusing on? Like, for me, because I played so much classical music, dynamics and touch were like, that was it. If you can't shape a phrase, then you're nothing. It doesn't matter right. how fast you can play or how intricate you can play. And I think that superseded my focus on time to the point of detriment where I was like, well, if I'm not getting the most out of every stroke, like sonically, then it's not worth doing. And that as a result right. made things drag and kind of push and pull a little right. bit. It's really yeah. interesting, but we all kind of end up in inevitably going like we go through a technique phase, we go through a sound phase, we go through a time yeah. phase, we go through a phrasing go phase. Go through a gear phase. <laughs> gear phase. <laughs> if Styles. I just had nine more toms, I'd be so much better. Um, yeah, well, I think, and also a place that most drummers and most probably musicians will end up at is where they all come together. Somebody's leading for sure. Like right now my sound is leading, but I'm, I'm never losing track of time. I'm never losing track of musicianship and placement. It's yeah. all there floating around. And all those chops really are there too. They never go away. Right. Absolutely. And I, I thought that – I just thought that I'd be able to obsess on time. And I thought – you know, and I – all of a sudden on Instagram I'm seeing like, you know, the – the gap click tricks like okay i'm playing there's one quarter note every 16 bars and it's like yeah, yeah. i thought i would care about that guess what i don't like at all and i, well, and yeah, I shouldn't have to yeah. feel i think that i don't feel bad about that. that i think that's worth pointing out that the the tricks and the methods are not what matter what matters is when no. there's no click how do you sound <laughs> you know right like i totally don't, and I, I don't need to be impressed with your tricks whether it's with chops or a metronome it's just when right. you play the drums, do I feel something? And that's I think it, if right? your time is sloppy, I don't feel good when I listen to you. Right. You know, that's just yeah. the way it is. And and that's I think that really is something that can be studied. I think that is a human component. I think 
humans have a, an innate ability to detect the spacing between sounds and they know when something is spaced properly, whether they're a musician or not. They, they just feel it. They would never yeah. be able to say, oh, it's dragging. They just know whether it's right or wrong. And I think that's why so many pop things have to be quantized is because the pop stuff is made for the average human. And it's like, look, we're going to make you feel so at ease because there's nothing jarring in here. And <laughs> yeah. then the musicians go out and they want to see it push. They want to see it pull. They want to because they, they, they know what's happening. They know why it's happening. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think um, in the end, my focus was overall sound. But I meant for it to be time, and I'm just—I I really enjoyed the process of going. Like, man, I really can't commit to this because I'm so distracted by not sounding the way I want to sound, and I want to work on that. Um, so, yeah, it was a yeah, good year, man. Really good. So, before we move into the drummers that had an impact in 2017, give me one thing gear-related in 2017 that changed for you on your kit or something that you used to not think was cool and now you have 10 pairs of hot rods uh, <laughs> bundle sticks whatever they're called uh, well i think because of a couple of different gigs that have come up i'm i'm having to get used to the idea of having more more instruments more sounds i need the more okay. toms more you know a couple different cymbal varieties um, and not being afraid to play like chops <laughs> you know mm, there's been a couple yeah. gigs that like i it's just it would be really boring if i just played steve jordan style for three hours sure it's like it's just not the gig there's space in the music where the drums are supposed to step forward yeah. so that's been huge like just again it goes back to me letting loose on the reins i'm not i'm not all of a sudden just going hog wild and, and trying right. to blaze everyone but just you know, just embracing licks a little bit more. <laughs> well, and isn't that doesn't that still come down to playing appropriate for the genre? Exactly. You're not showing off. Yeah. I mean, there's certain genres that require that, and it's actually just like playing a monster lick in a pop ballad. It's just as bad to stay silent when a fusion or a more busy type of music gives you some space. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I'm going to lay mean, it down. It's like, no, we gave you space for a reason. This The guy I played with a couple of weeks ago, Larry Mitchell, his his music is, he plays drums, and he plays drums really well. He actually plays okay. everything really well. So he writes his riffs to have end-of-phrase gaps for the drums to do their thing. It's just in mm. the music. So if I just played straight through, it would be like, no one did anything in bar eight. That was weird. <laughs> like, right. There's just nothing there. His, his yeah. riff ended, and here I am just playing two and four. <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> yeah, man. That's what it's all about. So, yeah. I for think, gear, it's me. It's more. Um, I think more toms. I think I'm going to go back to two rack toms as a standard setup. Okay, cool. cool. Just to have it. You know, I'm, I've. What would that be for you, 10 and 12 or 12 and 13? It just depends. Like this, if okay. it's this kind of fusion thing, I think the 10 just has to be there. It's just part of yeah. the sound. Um, ideally, I think it would be 12, 13, 16, but that, that's. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I'm still on the fence. Okay. I mean, that eight inch drum I played on that Bucks County kit, it was like, damn, I kind of like that. That's a cool Look sound. At <laughs> Look at you. I, I own I own zero eights, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the market. If anybody's selling an eight, what, what's the depth on that? Like a six, eight by six, eight by five? I think it's a five. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll trade a 15 inch rack tom for an eight inch rack tom. <laughs> That's MD info at moderndrummer.com. Man, I, my gear thing this year was when I look back on what's changed the most on my kit, it would probably be left side ride cymbal. That's mm -hmm. been new for me. That was caused by my band. Yep. And then uh, 
almost jazz tuned 12 inch tom oh yeah you really cranked it up this year yeah Yeah, without changing my my the way i started to see it was snare and rack got cranked up floor stayed the same kick stayed the same so the the kick and the floor tom were like my drum set pieces and then the the rack tom was almost like a percussion piece for me so it it just i don't know there was something about having that tighter rack tom um when i was playing on mark's jazz bop kit at the 21 drums camp in ireland I kept gravitating to the melodies that I could create when the tom actually resonates and does mm-hmm. its job, um, and being able to like get a little bit of a timbali rim shot out of it, you know, was just something I really liked. But then I still like having that thuddy dead floor tom for kind of licks and chops. So, um, so yeah, it's just kind of a hybrid kit now. That's um, cool. Now, as you're, you're, jet, you, yeah. you're tuning your snare a little tighter, but not not extremely. Yes. No, not a, not a ton, but. I did move from a 14 by five and a half to a 14 by five. So the A and F prototype I've been playing is a five. The Gretsch Chrome over brass that I've been playing is a five. Uh, All of my Gretsch metal snares are are fives. So yeah, it's, it's been a a little bit different, but it's just still, it's kind of funny. Like your, I asked you about gear and you still kind of steered it towards playing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's kind of the same. Like my gear was a result of what I was trying to play and my gear wasn't accomplishing that for me. Yeah. So I changed my gear for that. So cool. Let's talk about some drummers that had an impact in 2017. Give me your first drummer. And we're not this, by the way, guys, this isn't a reader's poll. This isn't who was the best. It's the, it's who just was constantly present during that year. Oh, I think you and I would both agree that Nate Smith made a huge splash this year. Absolutely. And it's funny because he's been on the scene for probably going on 20 years. But, you know, just Instagram, once he figured that out, it was like, ooh, who in the heck is this dude? (laughs) I would say, yeah. I mean, I would say Ash Sohn was 2016 as far as someone that figured out Instagram and then just took over the world. (laughs) And then Nate Smith for sure. And you know what's funny, though, is talk about – having the world do your promotion for you i don't know how many nate smith videos i saw that were from nate not very many most of the videos i saw were people posting his stuff for him which has to be Um, the highest compliment when you're you're getting plagiarized just because people want to share your stuff (laughs) that's crazy i'm gonna steal your video so i can share your video of you yeah (laughs) where do i send the check for that that is awesome uh Yeah. yeah and i think uh you know, the way that Steve Jordan became an adjective for a specific style of groove and the way that Matt Chamberlain has become an adjective for textures and stuff. Nate Smith kind of became the adjective for busy Gadsden beats. Yeah. And what like heavy, you know. heavy pocket. Yeah. Really, oh, really yeah. smack. Just unreal. And just I don't know how to explain it. You have to see Nate Smith play. But as soon as you see it, you go, oh, OK. So he's the best in the world at that. Yeah. And then it's like, he's pretty good, dude. I don't know if you can say anyone's the best at art, but he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, it's and then just you see the everyone cool, else doing it. The cool confidence yeah. and the authority of, I mean, he's, he's playing James Brown style beats, but with a new, yeah. s- new swagger, a new, new slant. It's like, yeah, I don't think anyone and you know can, what? cannot resist to bob their head to his stuff. It's crazy. It's fun. And his cross stick vocabulary, he has, the ability with his left hand cross stick that I would have with my stick in a normal fashion. So if he wants to do rolls and stuff, it doesn't matter that his left hand is in a cross stick. It it's fine. He has all the doubles and diddles and everything with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty incredible. You guys, uh, if you want to check out Nate Smith play, obviously you can find it on Instagram and find little clips, but if you really want to see him play some music, um, what's his, uh, 
the album is it Norfolk or uh, Kinfolk? Uh, sorry, Kinfolk. Yeah, Norfolk. Yeah, Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> I think he might be from there was, Richmond area originally. Okay, I know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so check out Kinfolk, but you can see him play it. You can watch it on the uh, NPR show. It's a Tiny Desk concert. Oh yeah, yep. There's that. Yeah, so so that just came out in the last month or two. So check that out, and you'll get to see him play this stuff, and it's just incredible. Uh, there's someone a, else that there's another oh, Nate Nate Wood. I think had a pretty big mm. year as far Absolutely. as being the alien drummer <laughs> just going yeah. for crazy stuff i mean uh, i've liked Nebody since their first record but once i saw his solo singing guitar playing keyboard playing drumming clips i'm like right that's that's that for me was a burn my sticks moment like okay yes yeah. that's, that's enough dude you can't do yeah. everything <laughs> like stop and do it well and do it really well you know I mean, I, I'm lucky, or I'm happy—not lucky. I'm happy that I haven't seen Josh Dion pick up a guitar. Yeah, uh, you know, not seeing yet. him play keys and <laughs> sing while drumming uh, with massive pocket is enough for me. But yeah, I definitely think Nate Wood had a huge year. And speaking of craziness, I think Eric and Proda had a pretty big year. He mm. kind of burst onto the scene initially as the guy doing backflips off his kit, but then right. all of a sudden, people watched him play and thought, "Well, that's." difficult yeah. uh, he's really good man <laughs> and he is one of the kindest human beings ever man um yeah i've met him a few times at nam and he's just a sweetheart person that's in it for the love of doing it he, he reminds me a lot of zach hill as far as hey just shut me in a room for 25 hours yeah and yeah. let me do my thing and i don't care who that. sees it you know and <laughs> got yeah, that like just, monk drum monk kind of thing yeah, you know, for not, sure. Not it's, anyone can just pull off the "I'm going to play drums without my shirt" on social media thing, and he can do it. Hey, man, I'm so happy that in my shirtless touring days there was no social media. I would just be eating carrots for the rest of my life. Uh, I don't want anybody to see Chub. Uh, so yeah, Eric and Proda, Nate Wood, Justin Brown had a big year, and I think he's starting to make that kind of crossover into okay. Now he's known. You know, Justin Brown. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. He's there's, I guess, because I'm revisiting the current jazz scene. I kind of took a hiatus from it for a couple of years, and he, Justin, Marcus Gilmore, Damian Reed, these guys. It's like they are the the current generation of like. For me, it's like I can't tell where you're coming from, and I love it. Like it's part gospel, yeah. it's part hip-hop it's part straight ahead jazz there's but there's so much taste and musicality and it's uh, to me it's the new fusion yeah you know it's um, hard to describe I, I, it as that because when i think of fusion it's that it has so much baggage attached to it but that really is right. what it is it's the modern day fusion i listen to uh obsessively to that uh robert glasper album that i was my pick of the week a little while ago mm. with damien reed on it and man i just it's it's crazy. I play to that thing nonstop, and I can't back to my dynamics. I can't get quiet enough to just play. He's he can play blazing stuff at whisper quiet so that it's not chops. It's just like yeah, it's almost just energy. He's got raw energy, but he's got it bottled up, and then he can let it out if he wants, and he can bring it back down. Um, and I think Mark Juliana is another person that had a huge impact in 2017, but also is part of that world where. It's attractive, you know, when I think of Damian Reed, Justin Brown, Mark Juliana, I think of, it's like, man, this isn't the stuff that turns rock drummers off. If yeah, you show yeah. this stuff to your average rock drummer, I think they could go like, 
that's cool. What the hell is that? Yeah, because um, it, it bridges so many stylistic things, and plus just the musicality. Like f- I right. think of when you think of the classic. For me, I think of the classic fusion era. It was almost like everyone was just trying to be as most ridiculous as possible, the fastest, right. loudest, most complex music. The stuff the guys play now might be complex, but it sounds beautiful. It's hard to, yeah, you know, I can't. It's almost. I think maybe they're also pulling in some Jack DeJohnette. Like it's it's this real musical, but really adventurous, creative thing. I I can't imagine any of these people not saying that Brian Blade is one of their biggest influences. Yeah, yeah, you can hear that. Um, So you can hear that in there. Uh, And then you you said John Theodore, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it. Just a great year for him because of the new Queens of Stone Age record and mm-hmm. him, you know, he's been such a huge influence on so many people and then just kind of disappeared for a while. And now he's to see him back in a band that's a really popular band. And it's clear that right. it's a brotherhood and he's he's the guy. He's in the band. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's really cool to see him. You know, I think he was just patient and something waiting for the right thing to come around. Right. And he found yeah. this band that I think is. I think Queen of Stone Age is going to be timeless for the next 20 years if they want to go that way. So right. for him to yeah. be in that, it's like, yeah, there's our guy. He's back. Cool. <laughs> you know, my favorite yeah. rock drummer Absolutely. is back. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many more drummers that we could name. But for the most part, we wanted to just single out some people that, you know, when I look at who has an impact, I'm looking at who did their thing and did it so well that other people just started running with it, you know, and um, and yeah. so yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool year. So let's talk about some gear. Uh, let's talk about our drum manufacturers. Yeah, so, so <laughs> let's start with drums. We'll get into cymbals, but let's start with drums. What are you laughing at? Who are you about to dog out in your head? Uh, nobody. That's what I'm afraid. I, I'd make sure I don't do. I can't trip over my own tongue here. <laughs> well, I you know, luckily we don't have to hold a lot of stuff out because it just was a good year for for gear. I know. Um, I mean, it's probably the I, number one complaint that I get about Modern Drummer Magazine is that we never write anything negative. But I'm right. I, quite frankly, there's not much negative to say anymore. There really isn't. Yeah. It's just choices and options and, and variations. And I mean, there's yeah. Not and much I think too, I there. think you have to make a decision that you're gonna purposely go negative to go negative. And you and I both share the same philosophy. And I think MD, this is your guys' philosophy. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if it's something that is extremely negative, you just kind of contact the manufacturer and say. Hey, this did not. This wasn't up to snuff. You yeah, know, we're not going to bash exactly. you in the magazine, but fix it. We're I had telling to, I you. I mean, I had to do that this week, and I think it's it would do no good for anyone for me to not tell them write a really bad review and then have them say, "Dude, if you just would have told me, we would have fixed it and resubmitted it." Right. <laughs> right. Like, what's the point? Yeah, same thing. I, and it comes that even is just like common decency in the online world. When I see something. That maybe somebody, maybe it's an online student of mine, or maybe it's just somebody I know and they post it, and maybe the drumming is quite bad for what they're going for. The last thing I'm going to do is publicly be like, let me rip you to pieces. Generally, I'll literally just write them and say, hey, I saw that new video you posted. I don't know if you were paying attention to this aspect, but. You know, if you just clean this up, that whole thing would have just grooved so much harder. And then it's, you know, it's never just, hey, that doesn't groove. Peace. Yeah. It's like, uh, that didn't help. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the best one. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I, I think that, like, when it comes to the gear of 2017, it seemed like everything that was coming out had a purpose, which I love. I can't stand when people put out products just because they feel like they haven't put anything out in a while. And I think that it was a year where the boutique drum companies 
really became legit and solidified themselves as no, we're here to stay. We're putting out incredible stuff and this incredible stuff is going to influence the bigger companies that do this on a mass scale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to thank, I really think we have to thank social media for kind of leveling that playing field a bit to where agreed, you know, like I don't, I don't know much about the, if you can manipulate social media, but when something goes viral, it goes viral because people are interested in it. And I think that, it's right. kind of been like, oh, wow, I'm seeing that same video from that company over and over again. People must really right. be into this. Yeah, I, mean, I think you. Well, it's really helped us kind of focus like, all right, what are people really into? Let's see what's getting shared like a million times. Right. And here's what's different about the social media world is now. And I think the larger companies will learn from this. Now, I don't just know what drums you make. I know who made them. I know who also yep. works there. I've yep. seen inside your factory. I'm connected to your story. Yep. And when you think of the bigger companies, you think it's just like some random, I don't know, giant machine making drums and there's yeah. no people behind it. I remember, you know, when I was a DW artist, I was like, how have you not done a massive feature on the guy painting all these drums? Right. Cause you don't even Dude, realize that a human being paints those things. Right. Think it's exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's not. It's a guy sitting in a corner painting stuff. Or, you know, when when Minel laser engraves a symbol, there's a dude sitting there, yeah. in, you know, punching all the buttons on his Windows XP computer. <laughs> and he does it. And I it's mean, like, dude, yeah. this is cool. I think it's, yeah, it's I really think with the boutique. Go ahead. I'll say I don't think and I don't think it's, it's something to shy away from if you're using really advanced technology either. I think I'm thinking of like VK. No. I mean, he's he's over there showing that he's got high-tech lasers engraving these drums. That's fascinating. Right. I wish Ludwig Absolutely. would show that they have a crazy robot that turns their uh, timpani. I would love oh, to wow. see that. I mean, it's because I visited the factory and it was just mammoth machine that picks them up and spins them and polishes the bowls. Oh, like, wow. show me that. That's cool. I mean, that's cutting edge. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're in the world now of transparency, and we have been for a while. And the the drum industry, unfortunately, is always a little slow to catch up. But that now it's not just a drum. I want to see. I mean, man, talk about a company that took over social media this year would be A and F. And the fact that I'm not even seeing their artists playing the drums. I'm seeing the president of the company play the drums. Yeah, right. How rad would that have been maybe 15 years ago if every DW snare that came out, you saw Don Lombardi dropping heat on it? Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and 15 years ago, every time there was a new snarehead, Roy Burns is playing a brush solo on it. It'd be like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. Um, and I, I think that that became the thing, uh, people getting involved, you know, um, uh, Sugar Percussion. Uh, what's their um, yeah their president's name? Jefferson. I, I Jefferson. So Jefferson takes it upon himself to be like, you know what? There's some massive fires in northern california i live in northern california we're going to do snare giveaways but it's not just sugar percussion it's jefferson from sugar percussion doing it yeah exactly. and you just you're part of the story and so i think the other thing that i think made a big push in 2017 that i definitely didn't predict we know that ron's net makes amazing snares so yep. like unparalleled snares i wasn't ready for for george way to make such a come back as a drum set yeah. through him yeah. without it being too cloudy you know and yeah uh, I think George Way now is kind of in my mind as if I saw one at a store, I would expect to see it next to a CNC yep. and next to some ANF snares or an ANF kit. And it would be like, oh, wow, you guys have a George Way. I've never played one. Let me get down on this. So I thought that was a huge thing. And then what are some of the companies that in the boutique world that you thought really solidified themselves this year? Man, there's so many. I mean, I think 
um, just by the you know, my personal reaction and everyone that's played them. I think buyer snare drums, the 15 inch snare drums, they kind of yeah. rekindled that that lost thing. The 15 inch snare drum uh, kind of brought that sound back to to the fold, and now you're seeing a lot of 15s pop up. Um, it's hard to say who did it first, but. I think they right. were one of the first to kind of be like, we just make 15-inch snare drums, and here's why. Check them out. Yeah. He's, you know, he since he does 13s and 14s, but I think they had a, a really big year just for just letting the drums do do their thing. Not, right. I mean, there, he has almost no content online to really promote himself. He just lets people do it, and I think that's the best way. Right. I love them. I think they're, I mean, it's a sound that I cannot get from any other drum, and I think that's really difficult in this age when there's so many options and so many variations to find a snare drum like wow that does something that's the buyer sound yeah <laughs> and, um, yeah absolutely really cool yeah uh yeah other i mean i think rbh down in in virginia beach who's actually sponsoring this episode uh again quietly just making beautiful gorgeous kind of Mm-hmm. Slightly throwback, but still contemporary drums. Timeless, timeless drums. Um, again, not yeah. not doing a ton of self promotion, but just letting the guys who know do the do the promotion for them. Uh, actually, this would be a good time to thank them and and do the the mid show promo for them. So RBH Drums, if you're not aware, is a they make it's Bruce Hagwood is the owner. He makes all the drums. So he's down in Virginia Beach. Uh, what I think a lot of people don't know is he actually makes all the shells. He's not buying blanks from other companies and, and forming them. So he has three different series, Prestige, Monarch, and Westwood. Uh, the Prestige is his solid steam bent, uh, kind of high-end kit. Those are available in Ash, Cherry, Maple, Poplar, and Walnut. Um, actually, I think those are just snare drums. So Prestige is just snare drums. That's okay. solid steam bent snare drums, kind of like the old Radio King style. He also has the Monarch series, which is what I purchased. That's his vintage style three ply drums. They have a uh, solid steam bent maple reinforcement rings. Those are mahogany with an inside ply of poplar and another ply of mahogany. Nice. So those are like when I want a, a vintage drum, but I want it to be a little bit more contemporary have a little bit more power a little bit more stability that's my choice and then his newest thing which i have yet to check out is the westwood series it's a five ply shell that doesn't have reinforcement rings it's maple it's mahogany poplar and mahogany um so that's the newest thing from him so again he just adds little things like here's a here's sort of a gretsch type shell (laughs) he's got these three options it's all beautiful stuff so i mean isn't that if you were a master craftsman isn't that kind of what you'd want is to say let me take a crack at that let me take a crack at this thing that's been so legendary yeah maybe i can tweak it just enough that it's now not a copy it's just clearly influenced by this thing but it it's you know in that craftsman's opinion it's the better version i mean why wouldn't you want to do that so isn't that what we do with chops like oh it's a cool tony williams lick let me work on it for two more hours so it becomes something personal to me and i added one extra note to it exactly yeah i love the idea of of wanting the classic sound but having it be built to your specs instead of buying an old vintage version have to deal with it you can kind of get your own yeah Agreed. modern version of that that's that's pretty cool so yeah i think rbh had a great year um we got to mention Masters of Maple with that oh, yeah. bell brass snare. That bell brass snare is probably the most <laughs> legendary snare around right now. Um, 
Yeah. My buddy Chris Hancock from Rooster Thrones has it. Yeah, I bought one too. I, I, yeah, I just played it and I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, I, did you really? I did. I bought one. Good God. That, I, I, I've heard that they're not overly cheap. Um, <laughs> but when you pick it up, you're like, how could it be? This has to be $14,000 worth of brass. Yeah, it, it's so, actually okay. cast bronze. They call it bell brass, but it's actually cast oh, bronze. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it's his or his are like exact specs to the the classic Tama Bell Brass, and wow. it's got solid brass hoops. I mean, it, it's it's a tank, but it is it has a sound that you can't you can't really reproduce from any other drum. It's agreed. I mean, it's so a, it was on. Is that what John Theodore was playing on the Queens of the Stone Age album? I'm not sure. Probably or some uh, of it. I know that some of his drums were on that record and the Foo Fighters record, and I'm pretty sure that the bell brass was the main thing like we need right. those i know josh homie uh has bought a few of his drums so cool. they probably appear up here on anything that josh homie's a part of uh, yeah they named masters think, of maple and we're talking about their, their yeah right bell brass snare. <laughs> <laughs> and actually i think i mean i think again not knowing who did it first but they also had the black ugly snare f- half a dozen years ago before the industry yeah. all went kind of patinaed and aged looking good so point. he's been yeah. kind of on the cutting edge and what I love about the way Psy works is, you know, he did the Black Ugly. It got really popular, so he discontinued it. <laughs> that was, that's so out. That's so awesome. It's like, He's yeah, like, that's out. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Uh, well, now, moving to cymbal manufacturers, felt like it was a good year for, for the cymbal industry in general. I felt that Meinl pulled back on some of their lines, so the lines weren't so confusing. They kind of reorganized, which is great. I think anytime you can thin out the amount of selection – I think it's a good thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Make fewer things, make them really well. Uh, I also thought that, you know, Zildjian just kind of finally gave in and said, okay, we'll make some ugly symbols. Yeah, exactly. And, and they made them really well. Yeah. Those are fantastic. I think, I think Zildjian and Peisty and actually everyone has kind of been good about just zeroing in, focusing on the good stuff. Yep. You know, because Zildjian had, I don't know if the Avidus came out this year or last year, but within the past couple of years, they had the Coropes, the old K style. Then they had the Avidus, mm-hmm. the old A style. And then they came out with the special Dry series revamp, which gives us that, what was missing from the catalog, that real fast, right. dark, explosive sound. So they had a good year. I think Peisty with, I mean, everything got revamped in their line. You know, they've got the uh, yeah. what is it the 900 series, which is still sitting here in my office, which is, gives the mid price point a little bit more of a boutiquey looking symbol. Right. You know, everyone's kind of been just making good choices. Sabian's got some stuff that I can't talk about yet. We'll talk about in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll definitely have a, a much bigger gear thing uh, after Mike and I get back from Nam for sure. But I think that for symbol companies, everybody just focused on making good quality stuff yep. and filling in the holes in their line. I felt that like Peisty said, okay, let's let's make sure that we have all the affordable trashy symbols with holes and all the you know yep. that type of thing going, just so that part of our line is filled in. Um, like I said, Minel kind of thinned out the line by just reorganizing things. And honestly, in my opinion, as a Minel artist. There's not a whole lot there sonically that I feel is missing. There's yeah, almost nothing a, that I it. hear and go, oh, I wish Minel made that. They yeah. do, you know. Um, and then I really felt that um, the the boutique symbol companies really made a big hit this year too because yeah. if your main thing is I'm playing on Instagram, 
why not have some dream symbols that yep. can do anything and sonically sound original that separate you from Zildjian, Peisty, Meinl, and Sabian. And uh, and then definitely, um, I think Carter McLean had a big part in this, but Istanbul yeah. Pagop, you know, yeah. just kind of became the like the it brand of the boutique world. Yeah. Um, and, and what's funny about that is because I don't have access to every Turkish symbol company in the world, it's not right now. And this should be a lesson for everybody as a, as a player and as a company, but it's not having the best gear. It's having the presence on social media, you know? Yeah, um, it's true. If you pulled a 17 year old and said, okay, out of these four major symbol companies, rank them in sales. I guarantee that 17 year old be so far off. Yeah, you're so yeah, far you're off. Proper. I mean, yeah, I think Agop is a good example of a really beautiful photo can go a long way. Like if you yeah. know how to take a beautiful photo of your product, it's yep. I mean, just automatically, I think subconsciously we think, well, it must sound good if it looks that darn good. You mm-hmm. know, but yeah, you no, can't I agree. say that for every, you know, every post you see from a, a guy's setup. It's like I think, sure, you know, Scott over there just knows how to take beautiful product shots and. I think in turn, his artists are, you know, kind of a little bit more like, all right, I've got to take a good shot in order for him to use it. <laughs> yeah, you got to live be. up to the product. Yeah. And, well, that's, I know, obviously, Minel, I would say Minel is probably the leader in the let's create content for our artist type of thing. But because they create so much of their own content and film so many videos and do so much, they can't just repost every artist's little snapshot. So mm-hmm. as a Minel artist, you better take a re- you have to do a photo shoot just for Minel to share your picture because <laughs> their content quality is so high. And I think with Istanbul, it's almost it's the same, but kind of the opposite with them. It's so like boutique, but their artists, they sign the artistic people. Yeah, so yeah. it's it, they don't even have to really worry about it because the people that buy their symbols and the people that play their symbols as artists are artistic people in in general. You yeah. know, they're going to take a high contrast black and white photo of their ride as soon as they get to the gig no matter what because that's the type of people they are. <laughs> it's true. So, you know, <laughs> it's just so yeah, I, I thought that it was a great year for drum manufacturers and some manufacturers. Now, as far as drumming trends online, you and I both talked a little bit before we started rolling here and we were just saying that the playing trends are almost diminished by how big of a leap there was from 2000 maybe 10 up until now being the world of youtube and then just in this last year it seemed like drumming became instagram almost 100 percent. totally i mean i think yeah the art of making a one minute clip that has a beginning a middle and an end i mean that's i think it's forced us to be more refined and more selective in editing I i think if I look through my feed and I just see someone blazing for a minute, I'm going to scroll past it a lot faster than if I see, oh, he didn't start playing right away. What's happening? What's he, what's the story? Right. Where are we going to go with this? So I think yep. I think that medium has kind of forced us to be more creative and more right. inventive, and and you only got a minute, you know, to, to tell your story, to do your thing, whatever it is. Yeah, and if you blaze three clips in a row. Cool, yeah, man. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't want to swipe. Like, to, I don't want to swipe left and see you just keep another part of your solo. Like that doesn't. Yeah. If you're going to do multiple videos for me, I want it to be like, okay, what's the next chapter? What are we going to do here? Right. I think that what's changed is we've blended performance with transparency. So it's it's kind of this thing where if you're crushing it, you just upload it and like 
I crushed that. But <laughs> if it's not completely crushed, you still upload it. You just admit that, hey, I'm working on this. This is the yeah, concept true. for today. And I think that that's the thing is when I'm looking at even my clips that I post or that I'm recording for myself, sometimes I want to say, here's 45 seconds of my two hours of practice. Mm. I'm working on this concept. I'm not there, but I'm hoping this will encourage you to keep going. And then sometimes it's like, dude, I'm totally there and I want the world to see that I put in the time and it finally paid off. And now I'm going to tell a story. Um, The other thing is I think you have to stand out. You have to find out who you are in this new world. Are you just another person playing the drums? And that comes from camera angles, camera types. It comes from your lighting. It comes from your backdrop, your audio. I mean, that's why I haven't moved away from two mics is because I feel like my Instagram life blew up during that time. And now it kind of is my sound. You think I'm not jealous of somebody that's got like the dope kick sound? It's like <laughs> kick, snare, kick, snare. Like, and then the tom goes doom. <sighs> yeah, you know, and, you I know, think, like, yeah, we've become way more discerning with with the aesthetics of this stuff. I think it's a good thing. Like for me, a low quality video that needs to be really special. It needs to be someone doing something Agreed. that I've either never seen or I don't think it's possible for me to be into it. If the audio is bad, the lighting is bad, or it's got to be someone that just you never see on on like Tony Allen or somebody you just never see. But if it's someone who's posting four or five times a day and the audio is just bad, I'm like, sorry, I can't get into it. Here's the thing. Good quality now is so affordable. True. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, Ashstone has a $300 GoPro. Right. But it's like a $300 GoPro as long as you have daylight it's going to be crystal clear footage in 4K. So what more do you need? And and then, you know, having 90 or $100,000 audio <laughs> rig is cool, you know. But to Ash's, you know, defense in that, that's his job. He's one of the yeah. biggest, most requested session drummers in the world. So he should have that. But I think really, if I swapped out my two mics for $99 large diaphragm condensers or even one large diaphragm condenser and just a normal kick mic, I could probably have very close to my same sound for under three hundred dollars, totally. uh, and that's with yeah. an interface. Yeah, totally. So you, you know that, and then either using your your camera phone, which is a great camera right now, or using a GoPro, or if you can, if you want to, you could go with a, a more affordable DSLR. You have a DSLR, right? Yeah, but I like only use Canon? that. I only use that for modern drummer stuff. All the social media oh, okay. stuff. It's just my iPhone 6s. That's your okay. So you have yep. a phone. Yep. Like I'm using my so, phone and the Shure uh, iOS interface and two mics, and my, I'm using a fifty dollar awesome. room mic and I don't know hundred dollar kick drum mic, and that's it. There you go. That's it. Yeah. So I think that's that's another reason why we're also less tolerant of bad quality is we know that it just takes some effort. The money isn't really the problem. I yeah. mean, I'm not and by no means are you and I saying that this stuff is. Like, oh, you should just go spend 500 bucks. Like, it is well, yeah. a lot, but it's not what it used to be. You know, it used yeah. to be you had to hire a camera crew. Right. They'd come with, yeah. like, freaking bazooka cameras <laughs> on their shoulders just to get, like, a clip. Uh, so now it's doable. And especially if you're somebody that's going to be making constant amounts of content, just get it set up, have it set up, and leave it there, and you're good to go. Um, I look at drummers like Joe Arrington. He's always posting clips of him, like, you know, at the house. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it works fine, and he's a professional drummer. So I think that that was the biggest trend that I saw. Did you see anything playing-wise that was different in 2017? Um, I, I think just less chops. I think, I think yeah. we've kind of um, 
there's the guys that do that and they do it great and they're incredibly popular for doing that but i think everyone trying to do that is kind of eased up right. a bit like i i think it's been more creativity like what can you do yeah. what is your slant on that one beat or that one lick or are you going to sh- go to some different location and shoot you your groove you know i think it's just right. more creativity yeah. um, and still just getting you know, back to like what are the drums supposed to do which is just make people interested in the groove more than anything yeah and, and feel something i think that because of the overabundance of drummers and musicians in general on Instagram, everyone, if they wanted to stand out, were, fo- were forced to look inward and say, okay, I can't be faster than everyone because there's just too many fast people and I can't have more chops and I can't have more groove because there's too much. Who am I as a player? And, yeah. and things became very, very personal. And the people that went the furthest inward are the people that got the most followers. Yeah, um, yeah. You and I have to assume that Nate Smith could blaze licks all over the map if he wanted to. Yeah, he's got but, he's got as many chops as anybody, but he does, he knows right. when to use them. Yeah, yeah, and he's just and and when you said it's just this calm like confidence, he just closes his eyes and does what he does, and I think that uh, you know that's what we kind of respond to now because everyone's got chops, everyone's fast, everyone's amazing. So yeah. now that yeah. that's out of the way. Let's get back to, like, well, who are you as a player? Like, I mean, yeah. you and I could just go through Instagram and be like, okay, I'll copy his video today and I'll copy his because I can play that chop. <laughs> right. But then it's like, well, nobody's going to respond to that. They want to see what we're really going through. The yeah. other thing is I think now because of that overabundance of people and talent, we also have a responsibility of making things tangible so that other people will take up this instrument. If all they see is blazing and chaos, they're going to be like, I can't even play a beat. <laughs> Am I supposed to do all that? And it's like, no, 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 not everyone has to do that. Let's talk about what makes a song feel good. You know, you probably don't need to do a tenth of that. So yeah. I think that that's been the big thing. And I, I agree. I, I thought that this year everyone just had to find themselves yeah. rather than being in this competition so they could win a drum off type yeah. of thing. I mean, so. it's similar to how, I mean, the record industry imploded. So now everyone is independent artists and now you're competing yeah. with your heroes just to get airplay or whatever. It's same thing right. with, I think with YouTube and Instagram, it's, you know, if Matt Chamberlain puts up a video and I put up a video five minutes after that, we're essentially competing for eyeballs. So right. I'm not going to do what he's doing. <laughs> you know? Totally. Like, why yeah. would I do that? <laughs> no, I, I, that's the few drummers that I do follow. I look at, I will go through my feed before I film anything and just think like, okay, JP just did this. Let me stay away from that. And Nate Smith just did this. And then, uh, okay, well then I'll just go program something. I'm like, ah, Dawson put out a damn video. Okay, <laughs> I'm not program. I'm not playing any loops. And then it's like, okay, now the rest of the world is open to me. Let yeah, me do my thing. Do um, thing yeah. You know, but everything has to be real. So, all right, let's get to the Nostradamus area. Without using your personal information that you already know about 2018, since you're privy to stuff that I'm not, what do you see happening in 2018? Let's start with. Let's stay with Instagram. What do you see happening as far as the world of social media and how drummers are using it? I think, I don't know. I mean, I think with the technology getting, I don't know if it's getting cheaper though. I think we, I think the technology's actually gotten more expensive with the iPhone X and things. It's like all of a sudden you're paying more, but I think it's, I think we're just going to keep upping the ante. I think we just, 
better quality and I'm seeing that even in my own mind, I'm starting to feel the same reverence for some of these guys who just play on Instagram as I do for the guys who do major tours yes. that don't have an Instagram. So I'm starting to like feel that pendulum shift of like you can ha- you can be a, a legit player with a legit career just on video and not having to go on tour to kind of prove that you're a professional. So I see that yeah. continuing the, that that wall of what makes you a quote unquote professional is really kind of dissolving into itself and i like it i think it's cool so you're saying i could just stop all the touring i'm doing with the artists that i'm touring <laughs> with i could stay home and make videos from well, here I mean, i'm gonna look into that mike dude i mean how many when did we first meet six years ago yeah six or seven six yeah. Or se- i mean at that time you had a little bit of resistance from the whatever the establishment oh my of, gosh no i mean, this guy he's just on lessons online that's not legit I totally mean, i mean a ton of resistance, even from my own companies. They were like, this is yeah. never going to work, you know? Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I agree with that. I think on a social media level, I just feel that we're not that far away from what MySpace tried to do when they relaunched something where there's an artistic version of Instagram. Not everybody, but it's a place to go to, to kind of funnel the content so that we can say, Okay, I'm a drummer. Show me cool drum videos only. Yeah. Um, or I'm a drummer and I want to play along to a bass player. Show me cool bass videos only. And let me make collab videos with bass players from all over the world and guitar players from all over the world. So I could definitely see a, a launch in 2018 of a social media entity that's focused just on musicians. Uh, whether Instagram does it on their own or somebody else does it, I could see that happening. I also see stories. So... I'm overseeing amazing drummers. I've seen so many amazing drummers <laughs> I can only handle. I can't handle it anymore. I need something more in there. Education will always live because people will always want to learn how to do something. But I, I need some stories, um, behind the scenes stuff. I need. I just need a little bit more. Give me more than just you playing, because uh, at, at some point it's like, dude, I've seen you do that same thing a thousand times with that same angle. The problem yeah. is if you change too much. Then I become disconnected because uh, I've I got used to seeing you in a certain way. Yeah, branding one hundred and one, so right? Right. How so you can't can you change it? too much. You just have to add, and I think that that'll be the thing. Is we will just see people add things to their Instagram videos, and uh, and what that'll be that hopefully that's an original thing too. Hopefully people look inward and think like, well, um, what happened before I pressed pressed record? It's like I don't know. Did you tune your snare? Well, just turn the camera on while you're doing that and then insert that clip into the video somewhere. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I think stories will, will be a big thing. Now, as far as gear in 2017, do you think we'll be pushing the rustic thing even more? Uh, ANF, the Ludwig Raw Brass, or do you think we'll go back to clean and beautiful? I think it's time for a pivot. I mean, that stuff already exists and, and everyone has their take on it. I think it's going to yep. be... A, a new take, a new slant on some other timeless way to mm-hmm. present drums. I, whatever it is that, that the companies do, I think it's all going to be way more deliberate and way more focused. I think, I think the days yeah. of of throwing every idea out there and see which one sticks. I don't think anyone can afford it. We're going to see more kind of contraction and more focus. I don't think the companies can afford it. That's what, yeah, know, that's what I so mean. Much, I don't think they can yeah, do yeah. it anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and I'm hoping too that the companies will also realize that 
nobody knows it all. No one does, but your artists are in it every day. And the companies that I respect the most are when I talk to somebody, I go, man, that is such a killer snare. And they go, Oh yeah, that was a, an idea from one of our artists. Uh, mm. You know, she yeah. just wanted this thing or he just wanted this thing. And when we made them their prototype, everyone loved their prototype so much. We made it as a product. It's like, yeah. you know, look to your artists, look to the people that are playing this stuff. Um, you know, and I think that'll be a big thing too. And I, I really think that the boutique companies are going to take chances in 2018 and the big companies are going to see those chances being taken and go, okay, let's do our version of that, but let's do it the way we do it. And I think that's great. That causes, you know, how many Apple innovations have there been because Android was like, we'll do that. We can make a waterproof phone. Apple's like, cool, we'll do one in three years once we drop (laughs) yours in an ocean 9,000 times. Yeah. So I think think everyone benefits from all these bigger companies. They have so much stuff in their history and their backlog that it's like, which ones is right to bring out again? Like that's, yeah. you know, like I think with Zildjian, it's a good example. Those special drives came and went 15 years ago. People who had mm-hmm. them liked them, but the trend was kind of shiny, bright stuff at the time. So, but then now the, the broadcaster trend, came out, you know, yeah, the vintage, released the broadcaster yeah, the, the 15 years ago. Thing. Now they're back. Yeah. It's like, you're seeing like, yep. that's, that's kind of what I want. I want these, these legacy brands to be like, okay. What do we have that's like timeless? I think I'm surprised yeah. that Ludwig hasn't brought back the two piece chrome over brass shell that they had in the 1920s. Like, why not bring that back? That's that's still something that people are searching for and using oh, all uh, the time. You mean yeah, the the drum that I've asked Bryson to track down for me. Yeah, like yeah. why not bring those back and not mess with them too much? Just make them like no. the way they always were. And, totally. <laughs> and so I think every yeah. company, I mean, Tama has stuff like. They did bring back their superstar birch, which those snare drums sound awesome. Uh, you know, I think each one of these companies has something in like Pearl. What what would Pearl bring back from the early yeah. days of Pearl? I mean, they, they all have something. DW even like what was the early DW sure. stuff that that we've sort of forgotten about, and maybe all these custom companies have been kind of stealing the ideas from. Like right. for all of yeah, these yeah. different big companies. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. I also am looking forward to seeing where hardware goes in 2018 as far as we know that with like a DW9000 series stand, you can have the beefiest, most immovable object in the world. We also know with all the flat-based hardware that's out there from different companies, you can have the lightest thing in the world. Is there something in between where I feel good taking it to the gig? but I also can kind of lay into it and it's going to be just fine. You know, I, I love the flat base stands, but I've used a flat base hi hat stand. And as long as you're gentle with it, it's fine. But when you really get like into it, no, it it's going to rock a little bit. Yeah. That's the one no. thing that I can't, I can't hang with. I, I do. I'm pretty sure Canopus has some hybrid, like carbon fiber, aluminum stands that I've yet to, and maybe it's just time on, to, but. Yeah, it might be time to bring that back. I remember working when I was 18 at a drum shop and Gibraltar had a full series of aluminum stands. They worked great, but people wouldn't accept that they were light. They were mad about it. They were like, this thing's crappy. And I'm like, not upstairs. This thing's awesome. It was double braced. It was totally aluminum. I mean, I never gigged with it, but I remember selling the stuff and... And I was like, it's like flat uh, nickel finish. This is great. It's aluminum. But, you know, it... 
I would assume, you know, I know we had few people that said, oh, I, I really cranked down the wing nut and it bent the, mm. the pole that it was on. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, you so, got to update that type of stuff. But, I, you know. Yeah, I think that that could be really cool. Um, so we'll see where that goes. And uh, I'm also curious to see where we go with pedals. It seems like the world of direct drive isn't as popular as it was two or three years ago. Um, and But yeah, it just depends. Yeah. It obviously is for the metal guys, right? So... Yeah, um, I don't know. I, mean, I think, again, that kind of hit a bubble of how how much can you charge for a bass drum pedal. I think we hit yeah. that ceiling like, okay, yeah. now we have to go back to the bottom. How how cheap can you charge for a quality pedal? Yeah, I, well, I think when, once it got to the point where it was like, okay, I just spent a grand on a single pedal. <laughs> yes. And when I push it down, it hits the head <laughs> like my $40 pedal. <laughs> it's like, dude, man, give me something with some gaff tape on it. It says like, you know. P100X, let's go. Uh, okay, so 2018 drumming resolutions from you. What are you going to be working on next year? Anything different than this year? Yeah, well, I'm actually going to f- follow through with an idea to actually release some full-length music That's that's been, you know, a... a a sticking point for me you know i wanted to use my instagram page to kind of fuel ideas and kind of see what types of things people like versus what doesn't get as much reaction and then turn mm-hmm. those into full full length drum solo with loops and type things so cool man that needs to happen i did uh i set up a page over on patreon.com which is going to be my spot for like whatever the one minute chunk i put on instagram i want to have a six or seven minute version that is lives on that site so nice. that's my goal to just put out. I've always loved drum records that don't sound like like uh, business cards, if you will. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Just like a really like I think Antonio Sanchez, who also had a great year, his bad ombre record is just so amazing. And it's all drums and just some some computer noise. Jack DeJohnette's record Pictures is one of my all time favorites. So I want to kind of go in that world. So that's that's cool. a huge project that i just need to just do i mean it's all kind of there i just have yet to commit to like all right let me do an eight minute version of this i haven't done it yet yeah man. i just do like 35 yeah. second versions and then move on to the next thing i love it so that's a huge that's awesome. huge resolution for me and just be more Beautiful. consistent that's that's it yeah what about you man thing to do. where are you at uh i think that uh what where i'm at right now with practice is is a good place where i'm enjoying practicing again Mm. uh that's always a plus and it's a combination of the timing with the dynamics with the expression but i think definitely this year i want to get back into being able to you know i would love to be able to improvise a drum solo Mm -hmm. i can write out these huge chapters and i know exactly what i'm doing and i can rehearse it every day but what i can't do still is just sit down on the kit and just kind of start tapping my left foot and go and have it make a lot of musical sense with no preconceived idea to begin with. Yeah. 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 I can, like, I would like to just kind of play three notes and then it's like, Oh, cool. And that triggered this idea. And I stick to that for a while. And then while I'm doing that, I would love to say, yeah, let's take it to this different environment. Here we go. And we just go there. And it's like, I, I can't really do that just yet. Um, what I can do is I can sit in a room and say, let's take it to this different environment. And then I try it nine different ways until I find one that will work every single time. And that's how I'm going to do it from now on because mm. it's proven and it always works. I want to be looser on the storytelling but still have it you know, seem like, wow, that was an amazing story. And it's like, cool. Well, that was the story of today. And tomorrow it will be different. And 
Um, and I also, um, I would say the other thing that I'm going to do is 2017 was the year of 115 BPM for me. Oh yeah, everything felt good, right? Boom, doom, cat, cat, chicken, ticket, pocket, ticket, beg it to gang, a second, don't, don't, funk it, dang. It all sat right there, and I want to get comfortable. Like I want to just say, seventy-eight. I, I really have a tr- have trouble playing that halftime Gadsden tempo. Mm. Uh, I feel so. I I either feel naked in it or I fill it up with all thirty-second notes. I uh, make it too dense. Yeah. I want to get comfortable with playing less. And that comes back to playing every stroke with care and touch and being like, dude, that's what happened right there. I played one note and that's and it was beautiful and I'm okay with that. And I'm not there mentally yet. Yeah, I can feel that. I mean for me the 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 hang up is when you get improvising and something just kind of falls apart, not letting it just completely derail. Like recovery, yeah. the recovery from the, the swing and the miss is where I kind of get stuck. Once I kind of swing and miss, I'm yeah. like, oh, what, what was I doing? What was I trying to do? Stop. And then, you know, you do that in front of a crowd, and then you start thinking, do, do they know that I just swung and missed? Or did I cover it up enough by <laughs> yeah. repeating my mess up three times in a row? Like, you know, um, and then you're like, oh my God, I only repeated my mess up twice, but the mess up was once, and now I did like a three bar phrasing. Ah! Um, and then it's just like, <laughs> It's just a nightmare in your head. So yeah, so that's that's a big thing for me is I'm I'm feeling very safe now playing my band songs. It's I've never felt so safe on stage because I know how to play these songs and I mm. practice them and yeah, right. They're always set in stone. Um, maybe the drumming's improvised, but I've got this safety net of this band behind me, um, you know, in my laptop. So it's beautiful. So now I want to get back to that point where I'd like the track to fade out. And I don't stop, and I just keep playing for another five minutes of whatever happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just not quite there yet. And I also, like I said, I want to get comfortable with playing less. Um, my default nervousness is fill in every space you can. Yeah, and yeah. you could probably squish some more subdivisions in there. Uh, yeah, you know, That's tighten the be gaps. Everyone's tendency. It's got to be. Yeah, and I and I just the the drummers I love don't do that. You know, I love when somebody just lets something breathe. Um, but also, too, the other thing is when I start to improvise a lot, I do lose track of whatever was the theme. And I, I want I want to have that thing where it seems like I'm completely improvising, but there's still something gluing it together. And I feel like Weckl has always been the the king of that for me. Right. Where yeah, there's he's not playing a motif. But something's gluing that whole thing together. Yeah, it's true. Even if it's some abstract concept, it's still something. I feel it. I don't hear it. I can't like sing. Oh, here comes boom to gum. You know, I can't (laughs) do that. Um, So it's not like the uh, Nathaniel Townsley solo where it's like every two bars will be doom. Right, right. But but there's something there. He knows what's there. I just don't know what it is. But I I clearly know there's something because this whole thing feels like it's part of something more grand, and that's really what I want out of my soloing. I mean, yeah, that's again Jack DeJohnette for me is the guy for that, where he can morph in and out of these motifs, but you don't even realize that he hit on a motif until like he kind of strips it bare and then plays it. You're like, oh, he's been doing that tom melody this entire time, but I didn't right. realize it until he plays yeah. it one last time and then shifts into something else. Yeah, and, that's that's something I, I really want. 
Dig it. Well, so, we've got cool, a man. busy freaking year ahead of us then. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. We'll try to uh, – we're going to take over Instagram. We're going to push all the companies to do amazing things, and we have to become better at playing this instrument. Yeah. yeah. And then just squeeze in a podcast once a week. So, uh, guys, sorry we didn't have time for your questions. Or do we have time? We don't have time, do we? No. We're, we're out, man. we gotta, we got to put okay. a button on it. So, so guys, please send in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We'll probably do an all-questions episode in the next week or two. Uh, but thank you guys so much for the support over this year. It's just been incredible seeing you guys respond to what we're doing and, and to see all your questions and the compliments and all the posts on, the, on um, iTunes and seeing you guys review the podcast. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, so we're going to send send this year into the stratosphere with some insane blast beats from my friend down in Australia, Robin Stone. So here we go. Check it out. (laughs) 